When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Roddy takes the snap. He'll look to the right side. He's throwing deep again, going to the end zone, up in the air. Touchdown, Eskimos! Adarius Bowman! Hey, that's three! From Carpat and Finland, Jesse Pogujarvi. He takes the snap, and J.C. Sherrick goes over the top. The Eskimo defense has done it! Eskimos win the football game. It is short. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. by this table tennis at the old Olympics. That is pretty incredible how quickly they play. Back and forth, back and forth they go. Canada won today in women's basketball. It was a close one. Senegal really putting up a big fight against the Canadian women. Kia Nurse with 14 points. Canada takes it 68-58. They are 3-0, setting up a showdown with the 3-0 United States on Friday. The Edmonton content, Catherine Plouffe, 12 minutes, 2 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Michelle Plouffe played just under 6 minutes, 2 points, 1 rebound, 1 assist. Canadian swimmers with a chance for medals tonight. Santo Condorelli will be competing in the 100-meter freestyle final. That'll go around 8 mountain time. And the Canadian women in the pool, the 4x200 freestyle relay final will go just before nine. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. In about uh, eight to ten minutes we will have Olympic bronze medalist Jen Kish on the show. The Edmonton native who captained the Rugby Sevens team to the uh, bronze medal, beating Great Britain 33-10 on Monday. That was pretty cool. Eskimos Alouettes preview. It's Wednesday, so Kevin Carius from Global will be in studio. We'll touch on this uh, these Bo Levi Mitchell tweets about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, um, you know, fudging the roster rules, and, and we'll take a look at how all that works. Getting ready for U of A football season as well. Chris Morris is on the show. He's their head coach. The Edmonton Wildcats getting their junior football season started on the weekend. Darcy Park will be on the phone. Going to be a lot of fun tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Matthew Panashik is on the other side of the window. Matthew Santo uh, Condorelli. Is this the Canadian swimmer that gives his dad the finger before every race? Oh, yeah. This is the guy. <laughs> Well, I was reading the story. It was the dad, I think, that started doing that when he was just a little kid to kind of get him in an irritated mood and give the old what for to the just remind him to have that attitude about the competition that you're there to win and flip everybody off. <laughs> Man, if I gave my dad the finger, I'm assuming the same thing. If you gave your dad the finger, there'd probably be a bit of consequences to that one, eh? Well, <laughs> not anymore, but well, you know, context. when you're a kid. Uh, you know. <laughs> But I think that the, it was the dad that started doing it, right? I guess so. It so. became a little. It was never done maliciously or anything no. like that. So that that to me is one of the 
stranger pre-race, pre-game, whatever you want to call it, rituals that I've heard. But well, there's Moises Alou, neat. right? Moises Alou. <laughs> Moises, for people who don't know, there's probably some some younger people who don't even remember Moises Alou. He was a Montreal Expo for a while. He was on that ill-fated 94 team, right, that had the best record in baseball when the season shut down. He was on the 97 Marlins that won the World Series. Was it 97 or 98? 97. 97 Marlins. All right, because then the Yankees won 98, 99, 2000. For people who don't know, Moises Alou peed on his hands. Because he said it allowed him to grip the bat better. So he would he would urinate on his own hands uh, before the game. Now, is that a ritual? They see, that's actually something that he thought made him a more effective player. Well, I guess if you're doing a ritual, it's because mentally you think it makes makes you more effective. But he actually like that there was there's a physical interaction there, right? Like if I uh, like it's a physical interaction with your equipment. So that actually affects how you use the equipment during the game, right? Like, like if uh, let, let's take the Canadian men's. Let's say you and I were on the Canadian men's volleyball team, right? And we, we believe that um, singing a Winnie the Pooh song to each other before the game helped us win. Okay, that's an interaction with a teammate, but that doesn't have a physical impact on the, on the game, right? Even this thing with his dad, with, with uh, Condorelli and his dad, that doesn't physically do anything to the conditions of the pool or how his speedos fit or how you wrote right like it's just a, a mental okay i'm ready the alou thing would you call that a ritual because he he like hey, to me okay so, so so you're allowed to put pine tar on your bat up to a certain level right no for moises alou it was his own urinated on hands i don't know is that a ritual or is that just something he thought physically helps me play the game better, my interaction with my actual equipment. It's like how you tape your stick, right? It might be a ritual, but you might have a physical reason for taping your stick that way. Whereas talking to your stick would be a ritual. The way you tape your stick, while it might be part of your routine, it's not ritual in the sense is that it, it's something that puts you in, in, a, in a mental, uh, a more mental positive. You see what I'm, I'm splitting hairs a little bit, but do you see what I'm saying? I'm just saying if I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if peeing on your hands is necessarily a ritual. Well, it's the same thing. Maybe you see batters bat out of, uh, back out of the batter's box and, you know, take their gloves off and retake their, put their gloves well, on. Do you remember and... Garcia Parra? Oh, he was he terrible. Would, he would step out, and he had to push his hands right to the edge of his batting gloves, and then he would kick his feet on the ground, toe first, and he said, I have to feel like my fingers are right at the end of my gloves and my toes are right at the end of my shoes. That was his reasoning. Now, I guess you could say that that's a physical interaction with his equipment. I, I would argue, though, that that's a ritual, that somewhere something stuck in his head that mentally I have to do this because the guy at his peak was a really good baseball player, and I, I would think he would have been able to hit the ball even if his fingers were a millimeter away from the end of his batting gloves, right? Just odd stuff, eh? <laughs> Uh, as always, you can text us at 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. As I uh, mentioned, in about five minutes, we will have Jen Kish on the show. Morley Scott's going to join us to tee up the Eskimos and the Alouettes. That is tomorrow right here on this very station. Uh, Montreal at Edmonton, 530 for the pregame show, 7 o'clock 
for the kickoff. Both teams are 2-4. and four. The Tampa Bay Lightning have signed defenseman James Wisniewski to a professional tryout contract. I know there was some uh, scuttle. Well, it's been there most of the summer, but, uh, you know, Bob Stoffer tweeted something out about Wisniewski. Uh, certainly a guy who could have helped the Oilers on the power play. Um, I guess, you know, I was reading some analytical stuff about him. Uh, Judging by those numbers, a better five-on-five player than I thought. Um, it's 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 funny. Well, it's not funny. It's just interesting, as as we often talk about Matthew. Sort of the interaction that goes on with people on Twitter, and I, as you know, Matt, I I get it all. We get every opinion on this show. I mean, last night. We had some people identifying Mike Riley as a problem on the Edmonton Eskimos. Not just as a problem, as an attitude problem on the Edmonton Eskimos. We had some other listeners saying that is insane. I would not necessarily say it's insane. I would think it's inaccurate, but fair enough. Um, So just as a point of interest, uh, James Myrtle wrote, uh, wrote, uh, he's a hockey writer, he wrote, James Wisniewski assigned a PTO with the Lightning, missed all but one game of last year with injury. And I put as a reply to that tweet, played 47 seconds last season before tearing his ACL. I just thought that was an interesting little add-on stat. 47 seconds, not very long. I got a tweet back from Carson. Is this an attempt trying to frame another Oilers failure? <laughs> what? Um, man, I know everybody's passionate about the Oilers and everybody desperately wants the team to be better because they've been bad for far too long, but they're not going to sign every single free agent available every summer. So if you're going to brand their offseason as a failure because they didn't get James Wisniewski, uh, again, I think you're going overboard, but all opinions uh, are welcome. I think everybody has the same opinion about Jen Kish and the Canadian women's rugby sevens team. And that's that they did great. Jen Kish is up next on Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Jen. The Blue Jays lead Tampa Bay 5-0, top of the third. Jen Kish, Edmonton's own Olympic bronze medalist in women's rugby sevens. She has been busy in Rio talking to a lot of media folk. She did just that with our Dave Campbell earlier today. Jen, uh, talking to us from Rio, where you're a couple of days removed from uh, the big win over uh, Great Britain in the bronze medal game of the uh, women's rugby sevens. Uh, first off, congratulations on the win. Thanks so much. It's uh, a pretty phenomenal feeling and a huge honor kids to be here and in the next position. So tell me what it's been like the last uh, couple of days. I'm sure, first of all, it's it's trying to get... Uh, recovered mentally and physically, but you've been probably pretty busy with a bunch of interviews and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, all of our worlds have just blown up. Um, we are no longer Canada's biggest kept secret. Um, <laughs> this is a great thing. Um, I've had tons of uh, media requests, and um, as have the other girls, and you know, we're just so blessed to, to be in this position because um, at the end of the day, we wanted to inspire a nation um, in a sport that we love, and we've done that. And um, all the messages that we're getting is from parents or young younger athletes. And, you know, I've never watched sevens before in my life or rugby, and um, I'm absolutely hooked. 
uh, I know nothing about the games and I want to join or, you know, and there's just so much buzz and excitement about rugby seven and rugby in general that I just think it's, it's so great and um, a true honor. You talked about the, the journey to get to this point, and um, you know I, I heard I either heard or read a, a comment from you saying, you know, I've been with a lot of these girls, my teammates, since fifteen since I've been fifteen years old. So, can you just speak about the journey, about when it started, and uh, you know, getting to the point, uh, you know, where you won a bronze medal a couple of days ago? There's four of us who have been together since. Uh, the U19 level and um, you know we had over a decade of friendship and it was a real special moment for us to um, come full circle and complete a dream um, that you know that we all shared together um, so to, to finally have a bronze medal and um, what an experience that was and you know we all after the game we were all sitting there um, we, we feel like we've won gold um, and that's how special it is for us. Um, and I can't think of a better way to spend um, this journey than with girls that I've um, started playing rugby with that have developed to be my family and lifelong friends. And, and that's what rugby gives you, lifelong friends and family. You know, you know it's, it's such a like, preparation for an Olympic event, I'm just amazed with, with athletes, just the amount of work that goes into, uh, you know, preparations for an Olympic event. Uh, tell me about your preparations and the team preparations getting to, to this point, you know, competing in so many matches and world, you know, world events, international events, uh, you know, the, the, there's just so much work that goes into this. Yeah, we've had five years um, together uh, centralized and um, well, four years together centralized in a year of us just meeting up um, somewhere in the world and competing. Um, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of work and a lot of training, and I think we've, you know, we've hit thousands of hours of training. And, um, you know, we've done a field fit camp once, um, which was pretty grueling, and uh, we've been testing every which way possible, mentally and physically, and, you know, those days where we didn't, you want to continue to play or you question why you're doing this because your body always hurts and, you know, you're missing out on life um, outside of your sport. Um, you're away from your family and friends. And so we've given up so much, but, you know, it's a choice. And when you, when you chase a dream, which is what we chose to do, um, you're, you're fully in it and you have a great support system. And um, we had a lot of tournaments leading up um, to this moment, but we didn't have enough tournaments. We need more more rugby, um, more rugby stops for seven games, better pathways um, to continue to compete on the world stage with the, you know, with the, the best teams in the world, New Zealand and Australia, and, and even though we walk away with the bronze, uh, Great Britain is up there, and um, there's a lot of preparation, and it's, it's a lot, it's, it's uh, pretty stressful. Um, you know, I was happy to wake up after we won the bronze because I'm like, wow, I can wake up. Stress-free, and now here on the rest of Team Canada and watch them live their dreams. We're joined by Jen Kish, Edmonton's own Jen Kish, here on 6:30. Chat Inside Sports is uh, Jen captain the women's uh, Canada's women's rugby sevens team to a bronze medal uh, a couple of days ago uh, against uh, Great Britain. A win over Great Britain, and that that win was uh, I mean that that was not too long after a loss to the same opponent. 
uh, you lost 22 nothing. So tell me how you're able to regroup. And, and uh, of course, you had a loss earlier in the day, which would have been, if you won, it would have been a gold medal game. And so it impresses me. It impresses me on, on two levels that you're able to, 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 uh, to shake that loss, um, you know, because your gold medal chances were gone. But you're able to rally and beat a team that, you know, beat you and, and handily the, the, the day before or a couple of days before. Yeah, uh, Great Britain had a convincing win against us, being up 22 nothing, And, um, you know, it really knocked the wind out of our sails. Um, it wasn't a game that we had to win to go through to the quarters. Um, but, we, you know, we wanted that momentum going going into our, our semi, which was against Australia. Um, and then, you know, we lost that game, and now you're out from the gold, and it's like, how, how do you bounce back? And, you know, what we said was uh, Great Britain's in the same boat as we are. They're just as disappointed as, as we are, and um, Giselle, you know, brought us together, and she's another great leader on this team, and that's what's so great about our team is that they're all leaders, and um, everyone, you know, when you ready to lead, you're ready to follow, and she brought us together, and she said, everyone's in the same boat, you know, so let's bounce back, get together, and, and do what we came here to do, which was putting a great team performance and um, inspire a nation. And along with that, we won a bronze medal. I'm so proud of how these girls bounced back. They're such grit, and we really put in a great performance, and we dominated uh, the contact area, which is what we really want to do. And I, I think the fans um, in our nation and the world that women can compete in a male-dominant sport. Uh, your dad was able to uh, to uh, attend the Olympics, and uh, that must have been really cool. And uh, it hasn't been an easy, uh, easy time for your dad uh, as of late. Can you just maybe explain, uh, you know, what he's been going through health-wise, and uh, just just how how cool was it to have him uh, have him, uh, you know, with you in Rio and and be a, be a part of the the journey? Yeah, back in. Um July of 2015, um, he was diagnosed with um, colon cancer stage three, and um, you know it was a huge hit to him and um, into our family because it's just such a scary place to be in. Um, since then, um, he has completely chemo around, and he's back to fighting weight, which is why he was able to make it here to Rio to watch me compete on the biggest stage in the world in sports. Um, to have him there and watch me um, run like a tunnel and to compete for him and for everybody else who's battling uh, cancer was, you know, a, a true blessing. And um, when I got to, you know, I, I always said that he'd be the guy that I could find in the stands and in front of thousands of people, and I did. He was right there. And, you know, I ran after the bronze medal match, I ran and gave him a hug. And um, he said, this is what it feels like. Like, Jen, you did it. I love you. And, you know, we had a great father-daughter moment. And um, he's given up so much so I can chase a dream and he's always believed in me so winning that bronze medal was my gift after him and to be able to complete my dream um, you know it's what, a, what an experience and um, I just can't think of a, a better way to have ended that father daughter dream together yeah for sure that's a great story uh, as we finish up here Jen we're mo- uh, joined by Jen Kish of Edmonton uh, who captained uh, women's uh, Canada's women's rugby sevens team to a bronze medal at the Rio Olympics a couple of days ago so I guess what's next what's next for for you the team I mean I'm sure there's a bit of time off here but uh, I guess when do you when do you get back up and uh, you know move move on and you know and write the next chapter 
That's a big question right now. Um, well, the trouble of us, um, some will be moving on, some will be staying around. Um, the team will re-centralize in October. Um, I will be training in Edmonton. Um, I will still be training and I will still try to compete. Um, you know, I look forward to um, sticking around and competing as long as I can. Um, but I also would like to, to build um, the sport of rugby in Canada and inspire the next generation to be doing sport in general. Um, but you know what? I'm not really not 2020 because you never know what happens. And as long as I can stay healthy and take care of my body and stay fit and compete with those young guns that are up and coming, then I'm, you know, speaking just to show that I'll be on the field. So, um, I, yeah, I look forward to the future and the future of rugby in Canada. Very good. Jen, uh, Canada's proud of you. Edmonton is proud of you. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been very busy for you uh, the last couple of days since you won the bronze medal. And uh, just, you know, really appreciate your time. All the best to you and uh, enjoy the rest of the Olympics cheering on Team Canada. Thanks so much for the call. Take care. Awesome stuff. Olympic bronze medalist Jen Kish in conversation with our Dave Campbell. Morley Scott is standing by. Eskimos and Owls coming up tomorrow. And what's this about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders possibly bending some roster rules? This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Tuning in tonight, it's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, no show tomorrow. Eskimos and the Alouettes. Morley Scott's going to hop into uh, the chair here in a couple of minutes to preview that game. The uh, Edmonton Prospects, don't forget, getting ready for uh, Game 5 of their series tonight in Medicine Hat. This is the division final to uh, move on to the league championship series. They were supposed to play last night and uh, rained out. Rained out in Medicine Hat, so now they'll uh, try to get that one in tonight, and uh, hopefully the prospects can move on. They were fourth in their division, upset the first-place team, and uh, now taking Medicine Hat to the limit as well. You can always text us at 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can email insidesports at 630ched.com. And I was saying the other night, Matthew, I always love to get suggestions from listeners, those of you who are out, in the sports community, whether it's uh, you know an adult league or you're working with youth sports or whatever, send me an idea. I got one this afternoon that I'll have to look into. So I really appreciate that. You can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. So 5:30 tomorrow, pregame show for the Eskimos and the Alouettes. The game will start at seven. Morley Scott will be doing the play-by-play. Morley, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you? Doing very well, buddy. Thanks so much for uh, staying in tonight to do this. And uh, first of all, the Eskimos and Alouettes coming on. We want to preview that game and some stuff going on with the green and gold. But the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I don't know if Bo Levi Mitchell was the one who pointed the finger here, but uh, they're being accused of, well, some people are calling it cheating. I don't know if it's flat-out cheating or whatever, but they're being accused of some some rule-bending here. What's going on? Well, it looks like they're bringing, well, yesterday, for example, they virtually turned over their practice roster. They signed six guys, released five, and one guy retired. Okay. Uh, and they they're just had so many roster moves. Now, word out of Regina is, 
and I'm not totally up to speed on it, but the word out of Regina is that they've been housing extra players and they've been bringing them in for extra workouts outside of practice. Uh, Riders say they're doing nothing wrong. Now there's reports that not only are they working out these guys, which is nothing wrong with that. You can bring guys in and work them out. Teams do that all the time, right? But all of a sudden, riders are now getting them apartments and housing them for a week and giving them food and and stuff like that, which, if it's true, i got to believe that's uh, contrary to the rules of the of the CBA and and uh, and the CFL, uh, so that's the situation. And and it's it's kind of funny how one tweet by Bo Levi Mitchell or a couple tweets by Bo Levi Mitchell gets this whole firestorm brewed up, and now everybody's talking about it today. So it's okay to fly a guy into your city, have him try out. Now he can't, but he can't do that with your main squad. No, he can't work out you with the team. You can look at no. him separately yeah. and say, can he still run? Can he catch whatever? Like, for example, the Alouettes over the last two weeks, they've been bringing in kickers left and right because they've got issues with Boris Beattie. Right. They've been bringing kickers in, and after practice, they've been working kickers out and videoing them and seeing what they're good from and how they're kicking, and then they move on, right? But I'm sure they, they fly him in one day, they put him up in a hotel, fly him home the next day, and that's how it's supposed to so work. So the riders are being accused of essentially creating a, a reserve squad for guys who aren't riders but are riders. Yeah, the, the phrase I've so, heard was, so, was a pre-practice roster. So it's, it's like the, it, the, what they're being, you know, we should say allegedly. Yes, Allegedly, allegedly yeah. what's happening is the riders are saying to these guys, hold on, stay in town, don't go out, try it for any other team, and as soon as there's a roster change, we'll, we'll actually yeah. put you on the roster. You can stay so, here for a week, we'll get you on the roster in a week, right? So, you know, and again, as you say, these are all allegations. They've just been accused of things, and there's been no word from the CFL on any kind of investigation or anything, and and I don't think the CFL has to investigate everything Bo Levi Mitchell tweets about. Right. So I don't know how far <laughs> this is going to go. So we'll, we'll see, but it's a very interesting case. I mean, the Riders are a team that has a lot of money, and they're in a position where they could actually do that. So if they're doing it or not that's another story we got to find out and and i don't know if i'm i'm sure i'm sure chris jones is getting a phone call from somebody or the the president of the riders is getting a phone call from somebody at the league and saying yeah i've been kind of reading all this what's going on and right and if they're happy with the answer they're just going to go about their business and they shouldn't say anything like why should they right but if they're not happy with their answer maybe they got to investigate a little bit further and I, and they they were fine you know and and chris jones came out and said we're not breaking any rules which is fine but they were fine last week for breaking rules, right? When they, they weren't dressing enough Canadians in, in, in their a, in game, a game for certain yeah. plays in a game, right? So, right. Uh, you know, whatever. It, it's going to come to a head, I'm sure, at some point. But right now, it's just accusations. There's nothing going on league level as far as an investigation Well, and goes. it's interesting to me to see how far it goes to see what could potentially be proven because we all know there are a lot of football players floating around there yeah. who would like to play professionally. And so, yeah, I mean, signing six guys, is that unusual? Sure, but there's certainly more than six guys out there who, who would yeah, be willing yeah. to accept I, the job. I don't think I've ever seen that during during a season where a team will release five or six guys at once and bring in another five or six guys right away. And, and Bo Levi Mitchell's original tweet was, I bet none of those guys needed plane tickets, saying that they'd mm-hmm. already been in town for a few days, already worked out for a few days, and... And then and then got signed. So, but All right. it's not unusual to turn your roster over during the season. Like I mean, the Eskimos released a couple of guys today, and you know they signed a couple of guys yesterday. But to have like six guys all at once, and then bring in another six guys, that's that's a pretty high number for this time of the season. All right, Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So, in terms of the Eskimos, 
lineup. Uh, by the way, returner Joe McKnight, one of the guys let go. I, I thought I was saying the other night. I wonder if he's going to get another shot. So much, so much for that idea. Who would have thought? When it happened, when they were signed in February on the same day the Eskimos announced it, that here we are in the middle of August and Joe McKnight and Jacoby Ford are nowhere to be found on the Eskimos roster. Yeah, I think it's been disappointing for those two. Ford's on the practice roster of the Alouettes now after after being released by the Eskimos. But yeah, it's it's. I think a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for those guys, and it just didn't material. McKnight had all sorts of problems. Handling the football, well, it was fumbles. Uh, it yeah. wasn't his speed. It was the yeah, fumbles. Absolutely. So, and and he's like he was a Pro Bowler. Was he not Pro Bowl returner at one point in his NFL career? But uh, clearly, there's something there with the NFL with the CFL game that just doesn't allow him to to have success right now. All right. So they brought in some new defensive backs. Uh, you know, are they playing? What's going on with the line? No, they're not going to play. Either uh, guy. They're okay. both uh, they're both going to be out for uh, for this game. Uh, pretty tough to have. A guy come in, and uh, especially guys who haven't played all year and probably haven't been, you know, they haven't been practicing and everything. I know Brandon Thompson said after his first practice, my hamstrings were yelling at me. So uh, they they probably need more time, and it's pretty tough to pick up a system on one day of practice, right? So they're not going to address the Eskimos are going to go defensively, pretty much the same starters as they've had for the last few weeks. All right, so who is coming in here? Uh, we're going to have uh, three returnees, and uh, uh, the only defensive guy coming into the lineup is Adam Konar, who's going to play mostly on special teams. He's a linebacker. Uh, he hasn't played all year. Uh, he's okay. been out. Uh, he, he was injured a little bit, la- a lot last year. He's been out since the start of the season, so he's going to get an opportunity to play. And we're talking with uh, Jason Moss today, and he's real excited to see Adam Konar play. He says he's got something. Uh, he's a missile. He just loves to hit. He was great. Uh, I remember him so well from the two preseason games last year in Fort McMurray and at UBC. He played terrific those nights. So it's going to be interesting to see him play. And uh, Devin Bailey, who's also oh. uh, been out all season long, been on the six-game injured list, got a concussion day one or day two of training camp, and uh, he's going to be back in. Uh, we'll hear from him on the pregame show tomorrow. I talked to him today, and he's real excited to get back in and prove to everybody that, A, he can stay healthy, and B, he can catch the football. So does he play ahead of Kuhorn or Getzlaff, or is he the, no. the sixth receiver? Yeah, he's going to probably be more special teams than anything oh, really? else okay. right now, and I think even as the sixth receiver right now, and it depends on ratio and stuff, but Kenzel Doe would come in as a sixth receiver, oh, really? I think, okay. before him right now. I mean, that's baby steps, right? You haven't played since he hasn't played since mid October. So he's going to come in. He's going to go on special teams. He's going to take a few hits. He's going to give a few hits. And at some point, he's going to get worked into the offense. So uh, he's in. And the big change, which we've talked about for the last couple of days, is really two changes because Justin Sorensen comes in at center after missing two. And that allows Simeon Rotier, who, uh, by all reports from everybody involved, did a real good job at center, moves over. To his normal guard position, so the offensive line's back in place. The offensive line that helped the Eskimos put up the 30-plus points per game for the first three games of the year. And it's funny when Sorensen got hurt. He, he, I think he finished out the game with Hamilton, but played it hurt. Uh, since he got hurt, is when things have gone yeah. south. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. You know, one of the the the, the debates about the Eskimos now is. Uh, about the situation they're in, and uh, the two extremes are, are it's uh, you know it, it's lights out and everything's a disaster. The other extreme is, well, it's a long season and six of the nine teams make the playoffs. The, the way I counter that is, well, fair enough, but two and four becoming two and five and two and six. I mean, right now the Eskimos yeah. aren't. You you can say all you want about how many teams make the playoffs. Right now, though, they're not one of the top six. No, teams. they're not. They're so, not. Huge game. Huge game tomorrow night, I think. I mean, it's a game where the Eskimos have an opportunity to to right the ship a little bit against a team they should be able to beat. 
Uh, and I think there's low pressure on this team to win tomorrow night and to be much better or at least be good enough in this game to show improvement. Uh, because if you go to if you lose to Montreal tomorrow night, it's your fourth loss on home field. Right. It's your fourth loss in a row. And now not you haven't just lost to uh, the best teams in the East. And uh, you've now lost to a team that you should beat, a team that's got the same record as you, a team that's on your level. Well, I guess it wouldn't be on your level anymore if you lose to them, right? right. So, uh, so I, I think it's a huge game tomorrow night uh, for the Eskimos. Talked to Mike Riley today, and and he said he's he's really liked what's happened this week, and he's really liked how everyone's kind of snapped to attention. And he says I got a good feeling about things turning around. So you and you look at the next three weeks. Um, they got Montreal tomorrow, then they go to Toronto, who's. Who knows about them yet, right? And they're going to play just their second game without Ricky Ray. Uh, Kilgore was pretty good the first time, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and uh, then it's Saskatchewan again. And if all of a sudden, if you can win all those three games, you're five and four going into Labor Day. You're not in a bad spot, right? Right. But you got to do it. You got to win the first. You got to win the first one before you can, can win the it. second and third ones, right? Morley, have a great call tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks, Reed. That is Morley Scott. Yes, he'll be calling the Eskimos and Alouettes game tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 pregame show, 7 o'clock to boot the ball into the air. It's 6.47. This portion of Inside Sports is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Check them out online. Go to actionfurnace.ca. So Morley and I were talking about these uh, allegations against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Look into those in a little more detail and hear what head coach, GM, Grand Poobah of the Riders, Chris Jones, had to say about them. You'll hear that when we get back on Chet. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, so here, here's the deal. Morley and I were talking about this. The uh, the Riders signed some players. Bo Levi Mitchell, the quarterback for the Calgary Stampeders, goes, I bet none of the people they signed needed flights, uh, suggesting that all these uh, people were, were, were already uh, in town uh, around the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, now, there's been some reporting on this. Daryl Davis from Three Down Nation says uh, the Riders do have a lot of uh, unsigned guys that that they you know utilize and and they have a big injury list now it, it, first of all well I'm, I'm gonna go into this and, and some of some of the rules I, I I think it's pretty much standard procedure that not everybody on a CFL injured list is necessarily injured to the point that they couldn't practice but teams you know will will put guys there to keep their rights or um, you know, a lot of football players are banged up, but you could say an injury is worse than it actually is, or whatever. That that goes on, and uh, I think that's part of the game. the The issue here with the Riders is is the amount of players that they have around, and and their level of preparation. Um, you know, Daryl Davis was was writing that the team ha- regularly has up to 95 players in its stable. That's what he wrote, and he points out that's two full game day rosters. Uh, a recent practice had 65 players on the field. Another 15 or so watched the workout and then came in and did less formalized drills while the coaches watched. Now, it's not a- against the rules or unusual for teams to uh, take a look at these unsigned players. 
they're they're not allowed to do it in a formal practice situation. So Matthew, you and I could be signed by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we could go to Regina, and we could go on after their practice, and and they could say, oh, I wonder if these guys can catch, kick, or throw, or whatever position we were signing up for, and and maybe they'd look at us and they'd put us up in a hotel for a night or two and then say, okay, thanks, we'll keep you in mind, or they'd sign us if we were really good. Um, the the problem here, and, and another CFL reporter, Scott Mitchell, reporting this, uh, he says in one of his tweets, per sources, the Riders essentially have an extra roster of guys in the city, some being paid. They've called it the pre-practice squad. Mitchell also writing, per sources, the Riders aren't just asking guys to stick around for workouts, which would be fine. They're housing them and feeding them. So in essentially, essentially, they're making them Saskatchewan Rough Riders when, in fact, they aren't Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, which prohibits them from looking at other teams and essentially gets them more involved in the process of preparing for games than they should be, especially since they're being paid and this doesn't count against uh, the salary cap. So uh, Chris Jones, the coach and GM of the Rough Riders, asked about this after practice today. Chris, how many, you signed a large number of practice roster guys yesterday and Bo Levi Mitchell insinuated that you guys, may have, they may have been hanging around and that kind of thing. Does, were those guys hanging around the roster before? Well, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly, uh, it's up to Huff and, and to Dave how they, you know, allow their players to talk on social media. We're, we're just here to improve our football team. When you see something like that, you must react because it's disparaging against the riders, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you know what? I mean, that's that's for you guys to decide whether it's disparaging or not. But uh, again, we're here to try to improve our football team. We're here to uh, we, we handle things uh, our way and keep things in house, so that they're they're able to do what they need to do. We see the taxi squad after the games. Is that all part of the? Is that part of the process? Is that maybe explain was that legal under the CFL to have like trials after every practice like that? I'm sorry, I'm a little unfamiliar <laughs> with what you're talking about. When you have, you have trials after every practice, you run guys who will be working. Yeah, we're, we're, a, we're able by CFL rules to have tryout people at practice every single day. And okay. we've brought a lot of people in because we're never going to quit searching for talent. Uh, the, the day that you quit searching for good players, um, I mean, you ought to know because how many injuries we've had. Yeah. Uh, we've had more injuries than anybody in the CFL. It's no, uh, there's no secret. Uh, they want to cry about how many people we have on, on the sixth game, and all those are legitimate injuries. And uh, we've got to make sure that we know who the next person's going to step in and play because that next game is going to come. They don't change the schedule because our kicker gets hurt day three or Xavier Fulton gets hurt day two. The games are coming. And, uh, and so that's what they pay me to do is make sure that I know who the next person is to step in and play. Well, he's right, and and this is interesting. I, I don't know if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are out and out breaking the rules. It, to me, it certainly seems that they're operating in a gray area. Um, I, I, again, do I think they're doing things that other CFL teams don't do? Probably not. I, I think they're probably doing it to a greater extent than other teams doing it, and they're taking advantage of their financial resources to do it. I have another clip from Chris Jones I'll play after the news. The one thing that bugged me a little bit from what he said there is, is he says, well, we're going to do things our way and keep everything in-house. Well, actually, that's not right. You can't do things your way, Chris Jones. You have to do things within the rules of the Canadian Football League. Um, but I'm not surprised to hear Jones say that because that's, quite frankly, what's made him a successful coach is that 
um, he's able to do things his way, keep things in-house, and limit the distractions. In this case, though, the distractions may be a rules violation. You can text 630-630 with your opinion. Kevin Carey is from Global coming up as well. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.